0: The smorgasbord of today's ransomware variants, Microsoft moves towards more private browsing with DOH, and the perils of third-party risk in industrial IoT devices. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Ransomware remains big business, and the various strains of the malware used to perpetrate attacks continue to evolve and flourish. In fact, there are so many variants out there that it's hard to stay on top of them. This week, Matthew Schwartz, executive editor of Data Breach Today in Europe, provides some analysis of just what ransomware is out there and enabling what kind of attacks. Here he is.
1: As the year 2020 approaches, it's a good time to look back just two years to when ransomware was on the decline. The value of a Bitcoin had hit a peak of nearly $20,000 at the end of 2017. Driven by the insane profits on offer, many criminals switched wholesale to cryptocurrency mining malware attacks above all else. Then came the great cryptocurrency crash at the beginning of 2018. Now, nearly two years later, attackers have long since resumed their pursuit of ransomware as a way to reliably earn illicit profits. The average ransom payment now, when victims do choose to pay, is $41,000, which is primarily being paid to the gangs behind Ryuk, Sodinokibi Ransomware as a Service, and Phobos. Many ransomware attacks continue to be opportunistic, while others are more targeted with attackers deploying tools such as Mimikatz to steal Windows passwords and using the legitimate Windows tool PowerShell to move laterally through victims' networks once they gain remote access. Apparently, rumors have been circulating that another type of ransomware, called Doppelpamer, has been distributed via Microsoft's cloud-based Teams collaboration environment, as well as via exploits of BlueKeep. BlueKeep is a serious remote desktop protocol flaw that exists in many versions of Windows. A patch is available, but many organizations have lagged installing it. Microsoft, however, this week published a statement saying that Teams was not being used as a Doppelpamer distribution mechanism, nor was BlueKeep. But what Microsoft did say is that attackers wielding Doppelpamer, amongst other kinds of ransomware, have been using Active Directory to distribute ransomware. Active Directory, of course, is used by the vast majority of businesses today as their domain network management tool of choice. But if attackers gain access to Active Directory, they too can use the network management tool, in their case often for distributing malware to endpoints. Earlier this year, for example, aluminum giant Norsk Hydro was hit by a highly targeted goga ransomware attack. After hackers gained access to the firm's Active Directory services. Last month, systems at the city of Johannesburg were cryptolocked by a group calling itself Shadow Kill Hackers, which also gained access to the city's Active Directory implementation. Shadow Kill Hackers demanded four bitcoins, worth about $34,000 at the time, in exchange for a decryptor. Despite the attackers threatening to dump stolen data if they didn't get paid, the cities vowed to not give them a cent. And those are just some of the ransomware strains in play at the moment. Another, by way of cybersecurity from Group IB, is called Shade, which was first seen in 2014 and which has been tied to a surge of attacks, including in Russia. Also known as Trolldash, XTBL, and DaVinci, among other names, Shade is designed to not just encrypt files, but also to mine for cryptocurrency and generate phony traffic as part of ad fraud schemes. In May, Palo Alto Networks reported that Shade wasn't just hitting Russia, as it's historically done, but also primarily now the United States, Japan, India, Thailand, and Canada, targeting everything from the high-tech sector to manufacturing to education. Another prevalent type of ransomware these days is called Pony Downloader. It's designed to steal victims' passwords from over 100 different applications, including browsers, email clients, messengers... FTP, and VPN clients, as well as to download and install additional malware onto infected endpoints. As Shade's triple play capabilities and Pony's versatility demonstrate, attackers need not limit themselves to any one attack type when they can just blend them all and potentially amplify their illegal payday. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz.
0: You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. This week, Microsoft has announced a fairly significant step in providing better encryption and privacy in web browsing with a feature known as DNS over HTTPS or DOH. However, Not everyone is happy about this, notably ISPs who stand to lose significant insights into their users' browsing habits. With the details, it's ISMG's managing editor, security and technology, Jeremy Cook.
2: There's been a large privacy hole with browsing on the internet, but it's getting closer to being closed. The domain name system is what translates a domain name into an IP address and allows a website to be called in by a browser. It's essentially a decentralized lookup service, but those lookups are sensitive since they can reveal a person's web browsing. The requests also haven't traditionally been encrypted, which makes them vulnerable to both spying and tampering. Technology companies including Mozilla and Google, however, are embracing DNS over HTTPS or DOH. DOH is an IETF specification that encrypts DNS requests, making internet browsing more private. This week, Microsoft outlined its game plan for supporting DOH. It says the move will close one of the last remaining plain text domain name transmissions in common web traffic. Mozilla has enabled DOH in Firefox and is using Cloudflare as its service provider. Cloudflare discards DNS logs after a day and has pledged not to share the data with third parties. There have been concerns over too much centralization if only a handful of DOH providers emerge. Microsoft plans to allow for DOH connections if admins choose that route but not change whatever DNS configurations have been set. That will allow organizations to keep ISP or content filtering schemes in place. The move to DOH has seen opposition from some ISPs. Encryption of DNS requests would mean that they lose enormous insight into their customers' browsing habits that potentially could be monetized. There also have been charges that DOH would neutralize content filtering laws such as in the UK. Google, however, has contested that DOH implementation would do that. There are great benefits from encrypting DNS traffic. It takes away one more data point that could be used against activists and dissidents who may have their browsing traffic monitored by governments. Also, DOH offers a defense against censorship. The Electronic Frontier Foundation has noted that countries, including China and Turkey, have used DNS to block access to websites. DOH also reduces the cybercrime vector. Unencrypted DNS requests are vulnerable to tampering, which could result in someone being redirected to a fake website. Despite their complaints, ISPs may have little recourse to stop the move to DOH. Firefox users can enable DOH now within the browser, and Google is moving in the same direction. It's unclear what Apple plans to do, although the company is staking a large part of its marketing these days on privacy and security. With DOH gaining currency, it may be hard for Apple not to join in. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk.
0: While IoT devices are entering enterprises at a rapid pace, the security practices around them are as much as 20 years behind those for enterprise computing. That's according to Sean Peasley, a partner at Deloitte. Jeremy got to interview Sean this week asking about a number of things relating to industrial IoT, such as why vulnerability testing is lagging in this field, and in this excerpt of the interview, the challenges of third-party risk related to connected devices in industrial settings. Here's Sean.
3: Yeah, what we found over the last uh, 10 or 15 years are that the industries that have had probably heavier regulation have had requirements to perform Things around third party risk management, having to evaluate their vendors that might have access to their networks or have access to their data. And so they are typically further along. Um, given that manufacturing organizations aren't as heavily regulated generally, um, they, they've not probably focused as much around those third party risk management programs. But it's becoming a, a significant risk in terms of the supply chain and what, um, you know, what types of of components that that a uh, third party or fourth party might provide might be providing to to a uh, to an organization or to their customer, and really trying to understand the potential that that can happen, the potential for harm of those third parties. You know, there have been some stated and and some uh, public related types of uh, incidents where third parties have embedded types of uh, equipment that have tried to. Um, detect or, or monitor for certain information or certain traffic. And so, you know, really trying to understand the nature of that type of uh, potential threat and what an organization can do to, to really help to protect against that threat. So I think the, if you look at the broader supply chain, if you look at third-party risk management uh, programs, you know, manufacturers have, have not had as much focus the last, you know, five years or so, but I think they're starting to really understand that this is a risk they are starting to understand the, the adversaries and, and their motives um, are to try to get into their environments and try to potentially you know embed um, you know components, hardware, software into their environments so that they could um, inappropriately access their data or you know pull uh, intellectual property out of out of the organization. So I think I think it is a risk. I think they are recognizing that and uh, starting to 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 recognize that they need to have appropriate risk management programs to address that type of risk.
0: That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.